0: Please be advised, all music tracks used in this production are sole property of Kelson Communications and are original compositions. Also, please be advised that the sound bites you'll hear from Dr. Richard Stone, I was granted permission to use from administrative personnel at the VA in Washington. Thank you. Hello, everyone. This is Silas, your e journalism social work advocate. Coming up will be a Kelson on the Air social work podcast special series entitled Social Workers confronting COVID-19 with compassion, courage, and character. Over the next several weeks, you will hear from social workers from all over the country share their stories and their experiences battling and dealing with this devastating pandemic. It is my greatest wish that these stories will garner a new level of appreciation for the vitally important role that social workers play in confronting the challenges, heartbreak, and tragedies this coronavirus is wreaking on all of us. Social workers are there for everyone right now as they are always. To open up this series, please hear this profound message from Dr. Richard Stone, executive in charge of the Veterans Health Administration in Washington, D.C. Following that, you'll hear Miss Dinah Kane Glickman, LCSW, a professional social worker for 38 years and the founder and CEO of the highly successful organization Kids Helping Kids from Dix Hills, New York. Please listen, learn and be inspired. Thank you for tuning in.
1: Today, I want to talk to you about our social work community. You know, social workers are always there. They're always part of our team, and they're always interacting with our patients for various specific needs. But now with social isolation, uh, people uh, people have needed social workers for the first time, and our social workers, for the most part, have worked face-to-face with our patients and their families. Now they can't do that. It's very difficult work, and it's unprecedented, the level of support we've gotten from our social work community. I want you to think about how much financial instability has has been induced during all of this shutdown. Uh, People are worried about money, people are worried about their jobs, people are worried about each other, and it's our social workers who are the glue that holds this together and in any really good healthcare system, the social workers are out in front trying to make sure families are well taken care of and all of the unique needs that are not met by our medical professionals are really handled by the social work community. So today I'd like you to take a minute and just thank your social workers that are part of your team and recognize how much extraordinary work they've been able to accomplish throughout this pandemic. Thank you. To everyone
0: tuning in, welcome. This is Silas, your e-journalism social work advocate. You're listening to the Kelson on the Air Social Work Podcast, the program that promotes, celebrates, uplifts, and highlights the social work profession. This podcast aims to educate the general public to the vital contributions professional social workers make in every aspect of society every day. Today's special guest is Ms. Dana Kane Glickman, LCSW, a caring, dedicated, and seasoned professional with 38 years of experience providing individual, group, and family psychotherapy to children, adolescents, and families. She's the founder and CEO of the highly successful organization Kids Helping Kids, a place where all children feel accepted, special, important, and significant. Her organization allows children to make everlasting friendships, She brings a unique and relevant skill set and has extensive experience working with children and adolescents with special needs, including but not limited to those diagnosed with ADHD, social anxiety, and high-functioning autism. She provides special care and services for children who are victims of bullying, those suffering from auditory processing issues, and children working to overcome learning disabilities. She has also been running small social skills groups that provide an environment where your child or adolescent can develop and enhance his or her social skills in a recreational format. She has successfully worked with children with different diagnoses that impact their social development. She is also a parent educator and consultant who collaborates with parents teachers school social workers and psychologists psychiatrists pediatricians neurologists and other relevant professionals to provide the highest quality of treatment she received her bachelor's and master's degree in social work from Adelphi University Ladies and gentlemen, it is my distinct pleasure to welcome to today's show our special guest, Ms. Dana Kane Glickman. Welcome, Ms. Dana.
2: Hi, Vilas. Thank you for having me.
0: Okay, so other than the brief information I provided about you in, in my introduction, tell me a little bit about yourself, you know, what, what made you get into the field of uh, social work, and then we're going to kind of segue into, you know, the whole concept of, you know, what you do to help kids during this turbulent time in our history.
2: Okay, so I love kids, and I always wanted to work with them. I have a special place for kids with special needs. So pretty much my private practice has always been with kids and parenting, helping parents deal with their kids, work with kids, adolescents, and young adults, helping them with social anxiety, ADHD, high-functioning Asperger's, and kids that have been bullied a lot, too.
0: Okay. All right. And in your work with these children... Um, what do you see that that they get out of the the organization Kids Helping Kids? What do the kids get? I I, I can tell because you're a social worker and, and it's your life work and you really um are committed to it. So I know what you get out of it. I know what most social workers get out of it. But what do you think the kids get out of the services that you provide?
2: Well, most importantly is that they get to make new friends. They get to develop close bonds. They increase their self-esteem. They learn social communication skills. Um, I also provide a peer mentoring program so the older kids get a chance to mentor the younger kids in the program, provide a positive role model, um, and build leadership. We also um, are moving into the volunteer sector now, too, where I've created three new programs. The first one is Kids Helping Essential Workers, where all my kids are making cards and saying thank you. Um, to the essential workers, and then when we get when we're able to be face to face again, we're going to be going into nursing homes and sh- uh, animal shelters and volunteering our time there.
0: Wow, very interesting. You, you brought out several interesting points. Um, I'd like to just kind of you know touch on those um, as we move forward. Um, I like the, the point that you made about you have now some of your kids; they are actually mentoring other kids. Uh, tell our listeners a little bit.
2: So basically, what happens is. I have younger kids also, kindergarten through fifth graders, and I run groups on Saturdays and Sundays for the younger groups. And one of the boys came to me about a year and a half ago and said, hey, Dana, I'd like to help you. I'd like to volunteer for you. And at that time, I wasn't doing any volunteer programs per se. So I said, well, what would you like to do? And they said, well, can I come into the group and help? you with the little kids. And I said, you know what, that's a great idea. So I created a peer mentoring program. I went through a training with them. I explained all the things that they needed to do. And then they would come in with me. They would help me, you know, teach the lesson, uh, play with the kids, give out snacks and just basically be a good role model Wow! and help, and help them make good choices.
0: Awesome. That, and that, that builds a lot of character. I'm sure both with the teenager that's helping as well as gives the se- a sense of uh, security to probably some of the younger kids. So I'm sure you've seen some very close bonds form with that program as well.
2: Yeah, I have. And what's interesting about my program is that I only take the kids from within the program as opposed to having kids come from outside because I really want to give my kids mm-hmm. who have had such a hard time in general feeling respected and accepted to feel like they're really doing a good job and, and being looked up to. And it just really helps them with their self-confidence.
0: The other point that uh, that I think is really great that you mentioned is that you have... Some of your youth working to reach out to others in the community during this time of coronavirus pandemic. I think that's very important. And I'd like to really give you an opportunity to explain how that came about, what it is that they actually do, where some of the places that you and the kids have actually provided this service, if you wouldn't mind.
2: So this is brand new, Silas, and I'm actually in the stage now where I've presented it it to all the parents, and the parents gave me a go-ahead to reach out to the kids. So in their groups, I've been explaining to them what we want to do. So basically what I want them to do is I want them to make homemade cards and basically write thank you for your help, whoever they want to thank. Medical personnel, uh, social workers, nursing homes, pharmacists, grocery stores, animal shelters, all the essential people that are helping on the front line. And then it basically shows appreciation during the crisis. Mm-hmm. It gives them an opportunity to talk about gratitude. Yes. And it takes the focus away from something negative and places it on something positive. And it makes them feel good and feel good about themselves. So it's a, like a dual service. And so basically they're going to do this and then I'm going to collect the cards and based on who they're thanking, decide where they're going to go. And then I'm going to bring them there and give it to the different hospitals and different
0: places. That's wonderful. I think that's a very, very generous and and thoughtful gesture. Great for the kids, like you say, teaches them to to give back and to look outside of themselves. Especially now during this pandemic, kids Uh feeling a lot of uncertainty and uh, anxiety and extra stress. So what have you seen as far as how kids been affected since we went into quarantine and schools have been closed. What's the difference that you're noticing and types of uh, approaches are you using as a social worker within your social work profession? And as with kids help kids from a social work perspective, what are you seeing and how are you addressing what's going on right now? Because I think that's a very important part that I want to make sure we get out because the kids are being seriously affected by this whole experience that we're going through.
2: Right. So Kids, have, kids Helping Kids have, has changed their platform from face-to-face to uh, Zoom beginning March 23rd. And the issues that we basically discuss are issues regarding the pandemic. One very big one is online schooling and how things have changed the difficulties surrounding, around surrounding that. The other thing is the isolation and some depression, a lot of anxiety, and they're also concerned about them getting the virus and definitely family members getting the virus. So there's fear around the coronavirus, and, and that's pretty much that's pretty much what I've been seeing.
0: Mm-hmm. So and it's
2: more. Go ahead.
0: Go ahead. and no. is, is that I'm I'm sure you're you're picking up that that fear is ratcheting up some of those um, students that have already been kind of classified as being, you know, high-anxiety students. How is that fear of the unknown, of them getting the virus, of not knowing whether their family members are going to get affected, have you seen that cause them to be more anxious, and how are they dealing with that?
2: Right. Well, the the three things that kids always want to know is, am I safe, are the people caring for me safe, and how is this going to affect my daily life? And, I mean, 70% of, like, teens are reporting anxiety you know, the the media is on every single day and mm-hmm. they're hearing all these things and the anxiety is more intense and the fear is ramped up.
0: Yeah, that's that is true. That is true. A lot of people have said, you know, even for the adults, it's, you know, it's better to not be glued to the TV, you know, 24 seven. And, you know, because that just kind of always p- paints a bleak picture, even though you do have, you hear some good stories and and some uh some you know some celebratory stories about people overcoming and people leaving the hospital. But in in general, um, what kind of activities might um, you suggest through your you know when you're doing your 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 uh, video chats and conferences? Do you give them advice about how to kind of get a balance of you know staying on top of what's going on, but not get so so, so involved that it becomes uh, nerve wracking for them? Have right. you have you addressed that with them?
2: Yeah, so basically some of the things we talk about is to be smart about what you're reading. Focus on what's real, on the present, not what might happen. And basically to keep it in the present and make sure to focus on what you're doing right now. We talk a lot about like practicing social distancing, wearing a mask, you know, washing their hands and being part of the solution and that part of the problem. Other things that we talk about are routines, like trying to get them to get up in the morning, do all the routines that they were used to, like get dressed, don't go to school in your pajamas, have a schedule, have a visual schedule. Don't be so hard on yourself. Other things that we've talked about are breathing exercises, journal writing, drawing Meditation very important to get out and do physical activity. Yes, most of their most of their gym classes are requiring them to do something physical. So we go over that. That's one of the things we talk about all the time every t- every week in group. I say, what did you do physical this week? You know, what what did you do for e- exercise? Because when you are exercising, you feel better. We talk about connecting with family, and here is an opportunity to hang out with you know your family and be grateful for that. Even though kids would prefer to hang out with their friends, another thing that we talk about all the time is in my group. What I do is I have them every week get a phone number of a, of, a, of a different kid, and they have to text each other every day. Like so, on let's say the odd days, one child will text the even days the other. So that way they're constantly. Talking to somebody and being able to share how they're
0: feeling—that's very interesting. That's, a, that's that's a great strategy, um, you know, because we've seen a lot of the kids who were just maybe just getting comfortable in a social setting, and then this kind of kind of put a, a damper on that. And so, you know, to encourage them to, you know, stay socially connected, I think is very important. So, you know, for number one, to try to give them some sense of normalcy, and number two, uh, to let them know that. You know, that you know, their friends are still okay, they're still their friends. A lot of right. what what I've seen is happening is uh, drive by birthday celebrations and yep. things of that right. sort.
2: We talk about new ways to celebrate birthdays and graduations. Yes. You know, we we also talk about like gratitude and I have them create a gratitude jar and once a day they have to put something in a jar that they're grateful for so when they're feeling down they can do that. I also have them put uh gratitude affirmations and like things of gratitude on sticky notes and they post them around their room so that if they're feeling bad, they, so for example, something that it might say is that put good music on, focus on the direction you want to go in, ask for help. Nothing is permanent. This too shall change. You know, there's many, there's many different coping skills. Other things we do is talk about feelings notice and name your feelings commit to a positive attitude we talk about solutions and goals and instead of saying things why i can't uh, um achieve something how i can achieve it
0: very interesting very interesting hi this is silas your e-journalism social work advocate i'm the host of the kelson on the air social work podcast heard and hosted right here on anchor fm and i love it try it and you'll love it too and here's why first you get an RSS feed, which is absolutely critical for distribution of your podcast. Your show will be distributed and heard on seven additional podcast platforms besides Anchor. Platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and much, much more. And get this, they even offer analytics so that you can see how well your podcast is doing. And as if that weren't enough, They also give you a breakdown of what each chart or graph means. In addition to that, when you host your podcast on Anchor, you get international exposure. That's right. Your podcast is heard in different countries around the globe. And just so you know that they're really in your corner, they provide you with info about sponsorship opportunities as well. So for secure services for your podcast, make sure to use your Anchor podcasting services. One of the things that I wanted to just give you an opportunity to further elaborate on is the difference between healthy anxiety versus unhealthy anxiety. You know, explain that in relations to the work that you've done, are doing, and what you're seeing now. And if you can tell if there was a difference pre-pandemic and now during the pandemic between healthy and unhealthy anxiety.
2: Well, I mean, I think everybody has to understand that. Anxiety has a purpose. Everybody is always trying to get rid of anxiety and trying to deny it. But it's really important for the kids to acknowledge, I'm stressed out. I'm anxious. But it, it's okay. Like, nothing is permanent. I can get through this. Um, this might be a tough situation, but I'm tough also. And helping them change negative thoughts into positive thoughts. And anxiety coping statements we do. Like, I can uh, tune into my body and use relaxation technique. I teach them breathing techniques to slow down their breathing if they're um you know, if they're anxious. Um saying things like I'm okay, anxiety's not always rational. Mm. Um and all of this is just heightened now. You know, basically emotions aren't good or bad. They are what they are. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and we just have a whole toolbox of things that they could do. They can um you know make sure that they're eating healthy and sleeping seven hours a night and um I help them challenge unhelpful thoughts. But basically the most very important thing is that this is not permanent. Mm-hmm. While it may feel permanent, this is not going to last forever. And also the other thing we do is we talk about what you are in what you have control over and what you don't. So I have them draw like a circle and in the middle it says me. And then in the second circle says in control and the further circle says out of control. Mm-hmm. And they list all the things that they have control over, like what they say or their thoughts or their actions, who they can hang out with, what they can wear. And then all the things they don't have control over, like what other people think and say and, you know, the weather and the pandemic and things. And it puts things in perspective for them.
0: And do you find with the video sessions are they more likely now to really express themselves as opposed to when things were normal and there was face-to-face interaction?
2: I find that the talking has shifted to different things. Before they would talk about, you know, what happened in their week, like they had a fight with a friend or, you know, where they're going to go this weekend to hang out, and stuff like that. Now it's always the same three subjects. It's about the illness, mm-hmm. it's about the online schooling, and it's about just all the things that they're going to miss. And in terms of any isolating and not seeing their friends, it always goes back to the same, pretty much the same three topics.
0: Absolutely. When is, when are things going back to normal? When can I go out and hang out with my friends and and, right. th- and things of that sort in nature? Now with the kids, they're very intuitive and, and they pick up a lot on anxiety, the stress level of, of adults. Has anything, any of that come up? You did mention that they, worry about if the people that are taking care of them or their caretakers are going to be okay. Has it come to, you know, to the surface that, you know, this is becoming a real issue for some kids where, they, you know, especially if their parents, like, say, are essential workers or frontline workers? Has any of that come up in any of your dealings with the kids so far?
2: I've had about a handful of kids whose parents are essential workers. I've had probably a handful of kids whose parents have gotten the. Uh, coronavirus, but thank God have, you know, gotten through it. Those kids were definitely, their anxiety was definitely heightened. But I also run a parent group for the parents that had just started through the pandemic also to deal with a lot of the things kind of in reverse, like, you know, their issues are like, how can I be a parent and a worker at the same time? Mm-hmm. You know, how do I deal with my kids isolating and not coming out of their room? How do I, you know, so I, you know, I get it from the parents also to try to help, the kids. But one of the most important things I tell the parents is really important to be a good role model. And if you're anxious, you need to keep that, you know, aside from the kids and you really need to try not to get them more anxious.
0: Yes. And one of the things that I know has been a a big issue with dealing with the kids is if the parent is working from home, then they, they have the role of the parent and then they have the role of their 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 employer of whoever they work for, and then they also have to be the school tip, the school or the taskmaster as well to keep the kids on point. So they're juggling quite a few um, hats as well. So I'm, I think it's great that you have something for the parents to help them to try to work through this. And do they come with come to you with some of their frustrations about how their kids are responding or what they how they're trying to manage their kids?
2: Yes. Absolutely. They, they come to me basically with the same exact uh, issues. It's like, you know, we talk about being flexible and now's a time where you can allow your kids on their electronics more because that's how they socialize. That's the only way that they can socialize. Mm-hmm. You know, when I talk to them about managing their own anxiety and fear and sticking to routines for the kids, making sure they have routines and that the kids socialize and they don't isolate and that they get out and they exercise. And what's nice about the parent group is that they basically give each other advice. You know, they they'll come in and go, "Hey, this is what worked for me. Mm-hmm. I'm do I'm making a schedule for my kids, and they'll put it up to the up to the uh, computer. You know, and they'll show everybody, and uh, they'll send it to me, and then I'll I'll text it to everybody else.
0: And the the other thing I wanted to ask you, so we we know that there are you know introverts and they're extroverts, outgoing kids versus kids who are shy and, reser- and reserved. When you're conducting your video sessions or your Zoom sessions or your Google Hangout sessions, are you noticing a difference between the introverts, even more introverted, and the extroverts seem to handle it better? Or is there a shift of any kind? Have, have you noticed?
2: You know what? So the way that I handle the Zoom sessions basically is I could have anywhere from six to 10 kids at a session, and I do it for an hour. So what happens is that I'll start off, and to me, what I'm looking at looks like pretty much the Brady Bunch, you know, where it's like boxes. <laughs> so I'll start off at the top left corner, and I'll say hypothetically, so, Jimmy, how was your week? And I'll hit the points. Are you feeling anxious? How was school? Is it overwhelming? What did you do this week? If the height, Let's say it was just Mother's Day, so we'll say what did you do for Mother's Day? So each kid has one to three minutes to kind of share what's going on that takes 20 minutes at mm-hmm. least to go through everybody. So when you ask me about the social the socially anxious kids, they don't have a choice but to respond to me because they're being asked a question. Mm-hmm. It's not really, it's different in the sense that when they come here to the program at the end, the, the last 15 minutes we would do snack. So that would be like when it was informal and they would just crisscross and talk to whoever they felt like. Mm-hmm. There really isn't a lot of that on zoom because once, you start talking over each other, nobody can hear each other. So it's very organized.
0: Yes, very good, very good. And then the the last thing, have any of the parents, I'm asking this because I've experienced this as a parent, complain about the kids staying up on their electronic devices like later than normal because they don't have to get up and physically leave the house. Has that come up at all?
2: Yes, there are definitely kids that are using their electronics a lot. But what I found, what they're reporting is the kids that always use the electronics a lot are mm-hmm. still using them a lot. <laughs> right. So, you know, it's, not much has changed there. You mm-hmm. know, those are the kids that were isolating before and were on their electronics and wouldn't come, you know, wouldn't go out and socialize. Mm-hmm. You know, no, another part of my program that's not in operation right now is I have a whole recreational piece to my program where I have all these programs that the kids are able to participate. I have Friday night out, which is where kids, we go to Dave and Buster's and different fun places. I have girls day out on Saturdays where just the girls are invited to do fun things. And then I have something called Sunday socials, which used to be where they would come and they'd have pizza hang out and play in a big gigantic video game room and stuff like that. I still run Sunday socials. Mm-hmm. But now it's more of online games where they could play Jackbox TV games and, and and we do it via the computer. So I try to provide as many many programs for them and keep things, you know, as normal as possible. A lot of parents say that this is pretty much the only socializing that they're doing.
0: Wow, wow! That's, you know, that's, the
2: entire week.
0: Oh, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. So I want to give you an opportunity to sum up some of the key things that you want parents and children to take away when they hear this interview just to maybe remind them of some of the best type of coping skills what they can do you know other ways that they can reach out to you so just sum up some of the key things that you'd like listeners to take away from this interview
2: all right so I guess just to sum up to remember that anxiety is a normal healthy response to what's happening right now and it can be managed that we're all in this together we're all experiencing a lot of stress i think it's really like a test of our strength and we have to accept the emotions that we feel keep a positive attitude use the coping skills that i spoke about and it'll lessen the stress and help you feel more confident and strong. And I guess something good always comes out of something bad. And I always ask the kids to look and talk about what's your silver lining in this. Like, you know, maybe they learned a new skill. You know, maybe they volunteered and helped essential workers, you know, to really dig deep and look and see what came out of this for them.
0: Yes, very good. Very interesting point. So just before we wrap up, I'll give you an opportunity to to um, let folks know um, how they can reach out to you. again, my guest for today has been Dana Kane Glickman, and she is a licensed clinical social worker. She owner and founder of kids helping kids. Tell our listeners where they can reach out to you, website, uh, emails, how they can get in contact with you.
2: right. So my phone number is five one six seven zero two zero nine five seven. My email address is. Kids, KIDZ, helping kids, KIDZ, 2017 at gmail.com. And my website is kidshelpingkids.us.
0: Okay, so uh, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk with us here on the Kelso on the Air Social Work podcast and for contributing such valuable information to this specifically special pandemic special that I'm doing. I'm talking to social workers from all over the country about what they're experiencing, being on the front lines. And certainly you working with kids is certainly a frontline endeavor. And so we commend you for everything that you're doing. Thank you for taking time out to speak with us today. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you in the future.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: This is Silas, your e-journalism social work advocate and host of the show. You've been listening to the Kelson on the Air social work podcast. This and all other programs are available on the Apple iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Anchor podcast platforms. Go to any search engine and type in Kelson on the Air in the search window to hear this show in its entirety. Thank you for tuning in. This has been a Kelson Communications production.